<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to The Bottom Shelf. <laughs> What are what? you doing, dude? I'm doing my workout montage. We got to get ready for the intro for the show today. No, no, <laughs> bro, bro. What? What? There is there is no intro for the show today. There's like literally nothing to intro about this movie. It's not that what? kind of a movie. But but my montage. No. But no. But no. Let it go. <sighs> okay. Okay. Prepare yourself to discover a world of terrible movies. High above the planet Geekery, a group of intrepid explorers hover over the dangerous planet in their fabulous super-orbital spacecraft. Their mission? To conduct a complete analysis of movies known throughout the universe as terrible. So grab your space popcorn, grab your freeze-dried ice cream, and join us for today's mission of discovery and wonder. Are these movies better than the galaxy thinks? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bottom Shelf, the, sh- the podcast dedicated to letting terrible movies know that they are loved. From the Geek Devotions Network, the network dedicated to letting you know that you are loved and you are cared for and there is a plan for your life. So if you get nothing else from this podcast, take that with you. And with me on this venture through nostalgic garbage is my good buddy pastor branson boykin (laughs) hello guys and my other good buddy pastor dallas mora hello how's it going and this week this month this month uh because we are slowing the process down for the summer uh we are discussing 1989's best of the best directed by philip i'm sorry robert radler and starring Eric Roberts, James Earl Jones, Sally Kirkland, and Philip Reed. And uh, Chris Penn, if anybody is familiar with uh, that particular family as well. Uh, I'm just excited to see James Earl Jones. I, you know, before we decided to do this movie this uh, for this month, I had forgotten he was in this movie. That doesn't speak well about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> What are we getting into today, John? James Earl Jones in a martial arts movie. Like, how does that even work? I mean, he was in Doctor Strangelove, and I had no idea either. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Branson, why don't you give yes, us the sir. back? Why don't you give us the back of the box, bro? Let us know what we're getting into. All right, here we go. All back of the box. <clears throat> Eric Roberts. Final. Let's try that again. Eric Roberts. Final analysis. Star eighty. Pope of Greenwich Village. Philip Reed. Christopher Penn, Rumblefish, All the Right Moves. John Dye and David Agresta play five young men who are selected as members of the U.S. National Karate Team. 
Each teammate has his own reason for competing. However, they soon discover that in order to function as a team, they must put aside their differences and learn to depend on each other. James Earl Jones, Field of Dreams, Coming to America, The Hunt for Red October, and Star Wars. I can't believe they didn't put that on the back of the box. <laughs> their unorthodox coach and Sally Kirkland, Anna, The Sting, The Way We Were, and A Star Is Born. Their trainer teach them that winning is not a sometime thing, it's an all-time thing. Together, they enter an exhausting training period that puts their mental and physical skills to the ultimate endurance test. After three months of grueling workouts and personal conflicts, they are ready to face the highly skilled Korean team and become true champions. In an unexpected and climactic ending, these men come to understand what it takes to be the best of the best. Well, that sounds dramatic. Of course it's dramatic. It was the 80s. Everything was dramatic. <laughs> Everything was dramatic in the 80s. I miss Even the hair. <laughs> I miss the trailers in the 80s. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I miss I miss the movie guy voice that yeah. used to be over yeah. in a world. Those were the best. For yeah. sure. <laughs> uh well let's let's uh tap the community here. All right. Uh, and uh find out what they had to say about this movie. Or let let's go in a circle, starting with you, Dallas, being as you haven't done anything just yet. Okay. Well, through the magic podcasting, this gentlemen, we have some community thoughts on this film. Uh let's see, we have um never heard of it. <laughs> well, well that makes a few of us that's good all right i'm not alone <laughs> ransom go ahead false advertisement <laughs> <laughs> this person does not think it was aptly named apparently that is clever i i <laughs> that Do we is... know who left that one that was Celeste. <laughs> that nice. was Celeste. Okay, Celeste gets the Stan Lee no prize for that comment. Uh, when AI tries to do the Expendables from the 80s. That works. That that checks out. Right. Uh, haven't watched it in forever, but takeaway was this is less compelling than Bloodsport. Ah. Eric Roberts is incapable of looking young. <laughs> the aging didn't work on that guy. Uh best of the best is the best of the rest that would follow all right that oh. that was some slick wording i also will give an a plus to that one. that was our our good buddy dale dale oh, dale excellent job sir that dude's a wordsmith i i will say dale where i appreciate the way that you formed that uh, i will disagree i think number two was the best of them but eh, it's all opinion this is a franchise? Apparently. Were. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be... That must, this film must be amazing, then. All right. Yeah, clearly. That's why well, they do sequels, right? They did the sequels. Are good. And check out the next comment. Epic. Dallas, if this movie was amazing, it probably wouldn't be on this show. Well, it got, I mean, look at Leprechaun. They made so many Leprechauns because clearly those were successes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next comment. It makes Nugenics look like decaf coffee. Can someone tell me what Nugenics is? I, I was about to say the same thing. I I'm missing the reference here. I looked it up earlier. Um, it is a vitamin supplement uh, that boosts testosterone levels, leading to increased energy levels and muscle mass and strength. Okay, that, that, oh, so that this is checks a, out. This is a guy movie. This is a raw movie. Okay. Yeah. I follow. Um, it is... One of 
the best of the best 80s martial arts action movies and still holds up to this very day, but not entry three and definitely not entry three. That, that, okay, so that sounds like high praise to a point. Yeah. I think, I think they're making a statement about the entire franchise. Hmm. See, I'm, so, I'm really, ex- I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm intrigued that this is a franchise. Like, I've yeah. never heard of any of these movies. I haven't either. I am. Um, I want to point out the the emotional ride we just took of never heard of it to false advertisement to it is one of the best of the eight, best eighties movies, Marshall's movies. <laughs> like this is like this has been a journey we've been on just now. So there is a very diverse response to this movie. Oh, for sure. Oh, let's see here. Let me uh, pull up uh, some information here. What's some trivia on this? Let's see here. Simon and Philip Ray, Dehan and Tommy Lee, two characters in. Are real life brothers. Oh. Um, oh. Uh, legendary MMA fighter Chuck Lindell names Best of the Best as his favorite martial arts movie ever. Oh, okay. That's high praise. Um, yeah. When okay. you. You keep saying that, and I keep thinking, I keep thinking of, uh, uh, oh, God, what's his, what's his name? I can't remember it now. That's high praise. Um, <laughs> Oh God! Uh, he was in The Rock, Face Off. Oh, um, oh Nicholas my gosh, Cage? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas yes, Cage, yeah. yeah. So every time you say that's high praise, that's Nick Cage. Every time. Shout out to my friends over at That's High Praise Podcast. Um, love you guys. Um, <laughs> which is a podcast about Nicholas Cage movies. <laughs> <laughs> he was almost Superman, you know. He was. He was. Uh, Sear, when you first see Philip Ray in his dojo teaching uh, karate to kids, he's actually teaching real life taekwondo and is using Korean language words to in his instruction. Oh, All boy. right, so some accuracy to this film. Yes. Uh, in the bar me. fight scene, Bert, the jealous boyfriend, is played by veteran stuntman actor Kane Hooter. Hooter. Hotter. 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 <laughs> Hotter is best known for his frequency portraying iconic serial killer Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th series. Uh, the only film in the Best of the Best franchise that was given a PG-13 certificate in the U.S. All others were uh, given rated R. And then Simon Fee, uh, who played Dehan. It's uh, Simon Ree. That, that was misspelled. Oh, my bad. Ree, uh, played Dehan, was the first to use the what, what is called the Superman punch in this. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I can give you one more for the trivia. Please do. Uh, Simon Ree also taught Ronald Reagan Taekwondo. Wow. Wow. I actually have a lot of respect for what we've just read. The fact that a, um, a that he taught Ronald Reagan Taekwondo, they were do- teaching actual Taekwondo in the opening scenes, and the fact that Chuck Lindell Names this is one of, uh, one of his martial art films that tells me that we're going to see some quality fighting in this yes. film. Um, there is one more thing here I want to throw out there before it, it deals uh, specifically with uh, Philip Ree, um, the guy who plays Tommy. Um, give me a quick second because I remembered there was something in here that I thought you guys would find very interesting as well, but it's slipping my brain. Give me a brief moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, to uh, reference back to a previous episode that we've done, uh, Philip Ree, uh, who plays Tommy in this movie, was originally considered for the lead role of the Mortal Kombat 
in night from 1995. Okay. Oh, cool. So we very well cool could have had him as Liu Kang. <laughs> I am Liu Kang. <laughs> I'm trying to picture him as Liu Kang and it just doesn't work in my head. I'm not getting it myself. I'm, I'm too used to the big poofy hair, the, the short hair just. <laughs> well, t- tell you what, let's, let's, let's dip into expectations before we see this movie um dallas what are your expectations for this movie um well i mean looking at the trivia that we're talking about and just some of the things the community of state i'm hoping for some quality martial arts taking place um um you know i'm hoping i am hoping that we're not going to get the what we saw in uh surf ninjas where that we had quality martial artists who had to play dumb um Leading up to it, I'm kind of hoping that we got it's not going to be that kind of film. I would assume not, since these are apparently like already championship level fighters going to a tournament. So at the same time, and I'm just going to put this out there 80s storytelling has a tendency to drag. And so I'm concerned that I'm going to have that typical 80s playing a power ballad drag at some point or multiple points in the film. Slow songs with melodramatic guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> I am the man who will fight for your honor. Easy, easy I'll be the hero you've been dreaming of. <laughs> well, Branson, on that note, what are your expectations for this movie? Uh, I, I've never heard of this movie before. Uh, the the pod, getting ready to watch it for the podcast, so don't really have a lot of expectations given the time period and the subject matter. I'm expecting something a little bit karate kiddish, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fight scenes interspersed with emotional character development. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have a, a bunch of people who fighting is all they want to do, but then they really love their girlfriend and you know, the hero's going to get himself beaten senseless, but he's going to pull some super sweep the leg crane kick move at the end. It's going to win the whole thing. Branson, you do realize we're not watching the Karate Kid, right? I know. I'm just saying that's what I expect. Given the time period and the subject matter, I expect it to be a... All movies were Karate Kid in the 80s. That's all. That's what Branson yeah, is saying. Yeah. <laughs> all martial arts movies were karate kid man i want to watch your version of the breakfast club <laughs> right <laughs> was that a, little... a martial arts movie though no. it would probably a better movie if it was <laughs> right um well i can tell you that my expect because okay so we've we've been very vocal about it this year like this year is the year of guilty pleasures and this this was my movie um, I absolutely have seen this movie before and going into it, I am expecting a nostalgia bomb. I am expecting 100% grade a 80s cheese, but not just, <laughs> not just standard cheddar or Swiss. I'm talking about some Roquefort or uh Grana Pardano level cheese. Like it, it's going to be cheese, but it's going to be classy cheese. Um, I'm expecting over overly dramatic montage scenes misunderstandings of cultures that aren't american uh <laughs> over emphasis on american patriotism and <laughs> and uh character arc arcs that work that go way too fast to legitimately happen in real life uh 
that's what I'm expecting. And I am here for it. Love it. <laughs> like this, this movie was my jam. Cause it came out at the same time as other movies like blood sport and the kickboxer and all that sort of stuff. And, and you can tell by my voice, I am excited to get into this. You, <laughs> like, you're pretty amped about this, man. I, I, I am. I so am. So, all right. All right. Anybody else? Anybody got anything else to, they want to say before we watch this thing? No, I mean, uh, let's. I'm I'm kind of excited to see it now after hearing John go on about it. I know, let's, right? Let's I'm, I'm kind of amped. Let's go. That was let's our training go. match. <laughs> I was right there. Yeah, let's go. I'm a man. I want to punch him and eat a steak. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Why is it in every single movie, Eric Roberts always looks like a 53-year-old divorced father of three? (laughs) (laughs) No matter what year it comes out in, he just looks... It's like he has like Benjamin Button disease or something like that. He's no, just... <laughs> it's just like he's completely stuck at one age. I, I, I am convinced he was born at the age of 53 and <laughs> will never change. He is immortal. Born in the Highlands of Scotland 400 years ago. Oh, wait, wrong movie. Sorry. <laughs> there can be only one. And yet he kept making movies. <laughs> You know, that's an, that's another reference we could make to Nicolas Cage is that uh, Eric Roberts pretty much will star in any movie that you throw at him. I want to uh, say this. I, I have this in my notes that Eric Roberts reminds me of of Dollar Tree version Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> like the entirety. Hair, yeah. Like the entirety of the movie. I just expected him to to just do Matthew McConaughey isms the entire time. <laughs> He always looked like an angry cobra with how his hair was in this movie too. Like, <laughs> it was slicked back and poofed out on the sides like a like a cobra hood. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, let's let's talk about this thing. Let's spoiler free, of course. But uh, yeah. let, let's let's get our feelings out. Other than kind of mocking how Eric Roberts looks. So let me ask you this: Was it a trope of martial arts films in this era that they all opened up with some sort of? rock ballad taking place because surf ninjas did the same thing this is this opened up with some 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 pretty cool rock sounds to it was that a thing back then i think they did that to kind of set the mood like you know you're 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 in it for the action sequences and they want to get you pumped up and like sort of like how we went into this movie where you're like i'm a man i need to punch something and eat a steak (laughs) <laughs> um, and that, that's kind of the feeling they're trying to set at the beginning of the movie to get you pumped up. Like you're going to watch people bludgeon each other into bloody pulps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got there eventually. Yeah. So that, I, I think, so I think that's what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. So like, what are, what are you guys' initial thoughts like about what you just watched? Um, the, the fight scenes that did happen, like the actual, tournament fighting was very well done like it it, it felt like an actual fight instead of a choreographed dance mm-hmm. uh, which not that i have a problem with the choreographed dance the dance those are fun too but it just feels different it feels more gritty it feels more realistic to to see guys i mean it looks like they're really hitting each other yeah you know there's a the 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 
matches that were shown felt more like real matches because they didn't last for minutes upon minutes. It was a quick boom, 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 point, split mm-hmm. up, boom, 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 point, split up. So I appreciated that. Yeah, I actually had that in my notes here, actually, is that the fight scenes in this, for some of them, felt yeah. more, more authentic. It felt like these were people who actually knew what they were doing. Um, Especially the tournament itself. Yeah. Some of the fight scenes leading oh, up to let, that. Let's not get into the specifics, because we're not in the spoiler section yeah. yet. Ah. Yeah. There were some scenes where the fight scenes were like, like okay, we've, we've obviously choreographed some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and specifically around certain characters i just had a hard time believing that they were martial artists chris we're looking at you uh, i wasn't gonna say names but while we're at it um bro had a massive beer gut through the whole entire movie he did not strike me as an athlete of any type i you know as someone who has ran with martial artists who has taken part in a in a form of martial arts sport involving swords I've seen some heftier guys, and they scare me of how well they are at doing things. Uh, <laughs> great example. I, under- huh? I was Branson, and I have a have a, a friend named Bobby Thornton, who oh, yeah. the man was, um, you know, probably two inches shy of Goliath, and um, <laughs> yeah. but he he was a bigger man. Now he's lost weight. He he got some self mm-hmm. stuff in order, um, but that dude. He was like a moving wall, like he was a big man, but you you, you weren't going to hit him, uh, and not just because of his arm reach. Yeah, I do I do see what John is saying though. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but given the as referenced before the montages that were shown, yeah, you would expect him to be in better shape at least after towards the the actual tournament when when you first meet him it might be understandable but if he's going through this super tough regiment training he should look less like he's been enjoying a few coors lights yeah you know. oh no sir he was going with coors regular light had nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so i think most of my notes on it are are pretty um spoil filled but I will say yeah. this, this felt like an 80s movie. Like, if you are in the mood for for that that 80s feel of storytelling and cinematography, this is, like, quintessentially. It's like they went to the back room. They're like, hey, grab this template, and let's, uh, let's use that for for everything. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere there's a plug-in for DaVinci Resolve to make all your film look just like this. Yeah. Um, I was... Because it just felt, it felt like the 80s. Right. I understand that the AI comment from before, because what I wrote in my notes was this is very color by number. Mm-hmm. Like everything that you expected to see in an 80s martial arts movie was there. And it was there when you expected it to be and just how you expected it to be. I think there was one thing in the whole movie that we'll get to later that genuinely caught me off guard. But everything mm-hmm. else was, yep, I expected that. I expected that. I expected that. Yeah. But I will, I will. To speak to that, though, I would like to say that that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, like, I'm not it, saying it, it is. No. I'm just it's saying so not that all, yeah. it is what it is. Like, it's I'm like, not saying it's a bad thing. It's like it's like slipping into your favorite pair of underwear, man. It's like everything right. just goes where you want it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. You, you know what you get, what you're getting when you go into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it doesn't why, shock you. Right. That's why I'm opening. I said, like, if you're looking for an 80s film, if you want that, this is something that you should pull out because it is quintessentially 80s. Yeah. 
getting back to mocking um chris penn though <laughs> um and the references that branson made about the montages you will notice that he was never in any of the actual workout that's montages. true yeah that's the true only, he did a lot time... of standing around and looking tough <laughs> yep <laughs> yes so. indeed Dallas, you got a look on your face like I just poked you in the belly button while I was saying that. What's going on? <laughs> I want to add to our <laughs> this is so funny. To our um our community communication. I just got one in just now while we're recording. The comment simply is motivating. What makes me laugh so badly at this it is that it was submitted by Bobby Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> dude's ears were burning he just knew <laughs> bobby if you're listening we love you man remind we, me we felt your presence on the podcast for those, you're the man dude bobby for reals I, 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 i'm gonna send him this thing bobby is an absolute legend i love him to death i did saber uh in uh in high school as we talked about in, our, in the gundam wing or the gundam watch podcast uh last week and uh Bobby helped me a lot. He did he did a great job of training and teaching me, and he he taught me a lot more outside of just fencing. He taught me just how to be a decent human being. So, Mister Thornton, I love you, sir. Thank you. I actually I ha- I have a Bobby story. Um, I fenced at bay because right of way is for uh, it's too complicated. <laughs> but uh, I was having a rough day fencing wise. I was losing a lot when I didn't feel like I should be, uh, and I got mad and started expressing myself vocally like you know and um he called me over next to him and as you've described bobby especially back then was a very large man (laughs) and he grabbed me by my fencing jacket pulled me close and says if you don't straighten up and start acting the way you know you're supposed to i will end you and i was like okay okay and i did not lose my temper anymore that day he is a He's a he's good a, guy. Though. Intimidating man, but he's a, he's a he's a loving guy. Yes. All right, so back to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll tell you what, being as we all want to talk about this movie, not around yes. it. Let's go ahead and dive into the spoiler section. Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. Losing never seemed so cool to me as it did in this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, okay. Earlier I mentioned there was one part that took me off guard. It was in that scene. Not that the Korean team gave the American team their medal. That I kind of saw coming because he could have done the kill shot and chose not to. The part that caught me off guard was when the dude apologizes for killing his brother and then offers himself as a replacement brother. Mm -hmm. And it makes it even more interesting to find out that they were real life brothers off camera. Like those were actual (laughs) brothers. So that was the one part of the movie that genuinely caught me off guard. That's the one thing I did not see coming. I saw Korea winning by a technicality, Mm -hmm. but then paying deference to the American team, like saying, yeah, we won technically, but you really won this fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not 80s. see, yeah, right. Cause he's, but I did not see the, let me be your replacement brother, uh, thing coming. Is that, 
part of Korean culture? Do y'all know? Is that like a I have no idea. Or... I will say it. I will say though that it was an eighties movie trope, however, for the for that moral to come across with that it's better to lose for the right reasons than to win for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I think I think that there there's a sermon in there somewhere. I that's not my that's not my weak connection, but it, it's something that just kind of struck me while we're talking about it. But mm-hmm. yeah. um I love that. And especially just hearing James Earl Jones. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. oh. But this movie, okay, so this movie is montage. Uh action montage the movie yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i mean like legitimately i'd say probably about 20 to 30 minutes of this movie is them preparing for this tournament that they're yeah you know I, I i was laughing about this earlier and um this is i almost made me wonder if they were trying to do like what they did with fatal deviation and they shot a bunch of stuff to impress somebody and so somebody's like, let me do a whole bunch of training montages to impress some director to show them I can do a training montage movies. <laughs> and then turned it into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think so. Like during the eighties, uh, there was like the, the preparation montages were like huge in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Right. And despite the fact that there was a glaring amount of montages in this movie, none of them really felt out of place yeah they're very natural it's like yeah. they they kind of made sense like i can understand it it's sort of it's sort of like uh um i can't remember his name the guy the guy who directed the star wars reboot series was also the producer for lost yeah yeah i can't remember his name but i know who you're talking JJ about jj abrams yeah it's like it's like jj abrams with his use of lens flares mm. uh-huh. it's only annoying if you're looking for him yeah yeah that makes oh. sense so the, uh, the guy that eric roberts played alex the master alex he felt a little all over the place for me because mm. he's i mean you go from rough and tough i work on the machine shop assembly line you know to i'm watching my son ride a bike for the first time oh he was to, the classic he was the classic sensitive sensitive strong man yeah, yeah but it it just it it kept flipping back and forth. He he kept going from sensitive guy to tough guy to sensitive guy to tough guy, and it it was it was a little off putting, honestly. Like the the scene where he goes because his kid gets hit by a car, and his kid turns out okay. He comes back and he begs to be put on, and he tearfully says, "This is the one thing I know I'm good at." And <clears throat> while I appreciate the sentiment of it it just felt oversold it was like okay he left the tournament so he could be with his son because as he said there was no choice which i appreciated by the way like he didn't struggle with that decision at all but it would it just i don't know maybe it's just the filter i have but it's not like he didn't have a life outside of this tournament i get that it was a big dream for him but he seemed pretty happy being a dad to his son in the first few scenes of the movie because he was very proud that he was riding the bike so for him to have this this is the only thing i've got no dude you've got your mom and son at home that you just left the tournament to go be with your mom that looks like she's only about like five years older than you (laughs) well that's because he was born looking like he was 50 so you know that makes sense the dude was only 25 years old 
Uh, <laughs> no, I think though it's it, it. There is a mentality for a lot of men that that they are something that they're good at that they've grasped hold of, um, and then down the road it's taken away from them, dramatically taken away from them. There's a sense of loss. There's a sense uh-huh. of oh my god, this thing that was such a core aspect of who I am is now gone, and the opportunity to reclaim it. A lot of men, uh, a lot of people, period, will jump at that. That's part of the reason why you have this issues with like the midlife crisis, where a guy all of a sudden like go and they'll dive deep into something they used to do because they're trying to reclaim something from their past. Mm. And so I kind of got the whole aspect of him like this is something I was passionate about. This is this is what I was good at, uh, and then have it all ripped away. And it's and it, it was ripped away for what looked to be several reasons. Uh, I guess the death of a wife. They didn't really go explore that, but yeah. his shoulder being damaged almost possibility not be able to do anything at all and then to have it given back to you last minute going hey this is a gift for you to, to walk back into and then yeah. potentially have it robbed from him again maybe if the movie opened with the shoulder injury i concur and, and then no, no no with him actually getting his shoulder oh injured. okay yeah. i got you i got you i got but you like let, let us actually see that moment and feel mm. the pathos of it and then write his opening scenes to where he seems a little bit more forlorn about his situation because that that's what was so off-putting was he looks like a perfectly happy dude Mm -hmm. before the tournament. So it doesn't make sense that he's so upset that he lost it. I mean, I, I understand all the points that you're making. I just think as far as the cinematography and the writing, they could have done a better job of sent, uh, driving home those points Mm -hmm. so that when he's sitting there saying, this is the only thing I'm good at. Please don't take it away from me. It's more believable unless he's throwing a tantrum because he's not getting his way. I get that. At the same time, that almost, and I'm not saying it was intentional, but almost does speak to the whole aspect of how a man is always supposed to look like he's good no matter what. And then mm-hmm. if he does have a moment of breaking, then it's like, well, shame on you type of aspect. And yeah. so this kind, of sh- this kind of highlights the whole aspect of he's supposed to be good. That's why he looks happy. But on the inside, he's been dying the entire time. time. Now, I agree. I think they should have done more to play that up. It'll give us a list a little bit more intrigue into that. At the same yeah. time, that this is a part of my issue I ran with the film, was I couldn't tell who the main character was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be Alex, or was it supposed to be Tommy? Yes. Right. The entire yeah. time of the film. And I, I'm wondering if some of it was, because Philip Ree actually is one of the writers, and it almost felt like he was like, I don't want it to be too much about my character. Let me focus more on this character. And it was this weird, yeah. like, like, you have a lot of characters, but you need to focus on one. I think, yeah. I think honestly, like with what the theme is of this movie, mm-hmm. I don't think that there is supposed to be a main character. I think the main character is supposed to be the team, mm-hmm. like oh. as a, as a cohesive unit. But even it, that that's felt a, shoehorned at times, didn't it? Uh, I think, I think it was supposed to be about the journey of becoming a team. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and they, I think that, they really drove that home for Tommy and uh, keep forgetting his name. Alex, two main guys, Alex for Alex and Tommy. They drove that home. The other guys were just there. Like the, the cowboy, the Italian and the Buddhist, they they just, they were there to serve as punching bags for the other guys. Mm -hmm. They they didn't really serve a purpose. You you could almost remove them from the movie. And I really liked that. I liked the idea of him. They just didn't do anything with him. You know, he was just kind of there, like like when he was holding the bag, and Tommy kicked him really hard, and he fell over. Yeah, 
I felt like that was the point of the character. He was there to hold the bag so that the <laughs> real martial artist could do his stuff. Nah, he was the innocent guy. The yeah. the the naive, pure-minded gentleman type. And I we mean, see he... that in the bar scene and mm-hmm. nowhere else. Like, like that's the only time we see that is when he's at the bar dancing with a girl and shocked that well, someone's interested in him. Here, here's the thing in the, in the 80s, your movie had to be a tight 90 and that's yeah. it. Like yeah, there's only fair. so much you can do with five characters. Yeah. yeah. Um. Really, I think if this was made today, you'd see a, a much broader focus on all five members and it would be more focused on the coming together as a team this this movie is essentially like if you really want to think about it this movie is basically like the first avengers movie except kung fu in 80s <laughs> yeah without the benefit of the setup movies right yeah. but yeah. i mean and 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 so it's like mm, like i i can i can appreciate what you're saying branson but in the same in the same sense um it very much, and I know I use this statement a lot, but it, it very much is a product of its time. Um, mm-hmm. And with the with the constraints of what the expectations were for that time period, I think they did, like, I, I caught the fact that what they were shooting for was the main character is the team and not one particular person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that they did focus in on Alex and Tommy a lot more than the other three, but I think they kind of had to because that's where the two main backstories that were presented came from because mm-hmm, you had yeah. you had you had alex with his um early retirement from pr- professional martial arts mm-hmm. because of the end indis- in, because of his injury and you have tommy whose brother had been killed in the same profession yeah um spoiler alert he has another brother that you'll see in part two um uh, and i almost wonder i almost wonder if this would benefit instead of a 90 minute movie make it like a six seven part mini series maybe but in the same sense i think it would be, become a little bit tiring if you were to extend it too much hmm. yeah. yeah i think maybe another 30 minutes i think that would have been gold for a film another yeah. 30 minutes of setup of of giving us the back history of some of these characters uh, maybe get a little more into Dehan. I think that that was supposed to be like a surprise ending with Dehan at the end. Um, but I think just again, just maybe even fifteen more minutes of just filling in a little bit more about these characters to make us feel for them coming together as a team. Because really, when it came out the gate, like we've already said, it was focused on Alex. It was focused on Tommy for the most for, uh, for quite a bit. Virgil and, Tra- and Travis, they were kind of like they were just kind of there to help things out. Travis was, yeah. or was there to be a jerk and for all of us to want to punch in the face squarely. And, and Virgil was <laughs> one for us to counter who Travis was as a character. Uh, but, you know, that was kind of their purposes, though. Like, they needed, they needed the aggressor on the team, the hothead. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they needed somebody to balance the hothead, which you had Virgil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you kind of had the dopey, happy-go-lucky guy, which was that fifth guy that I don't remember his name. Um, I mean, honestly, these are all character types and I'm, I'm kind of leaning into our other show that we do, but these are all character types I would expect to see in a Gundam series. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially, yeah. especially the hot headed cowboy character. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Which we, which we did see 
in robot jocks. Just throwing that out there. You're not <laughs> lying. You're not lying. Uh, I can. Th- I think I can think of iterations of Power Rangers that had a similar trope. You've got the hothead. You've got the, the director of guy. this. Uh huh. Did Power Rangers? Which one? He did several Power Rangers. Oh, really? He did. Hold on, let me pull it up for us real quick. But um, I'm gonna point this out real quick. Um, we keep going. Like, who was the fifth guy? From his IMD page, he's only done this one thing. Oh, okay. And that's it. Um, but um, the the director Robert Radler, he did. I just lost it. Where to go? Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like the series. Yeah. Uh, he did Power Rangers Zeo Zeo Quest. He did Power Rangers Zeo, um, for like seventeen episodes. So yeah, he was he was involved in Power Rangers. And sounds like he directed my favorite versions. So awesome. I would also like to, and I I've said this in our side chats, but I'll mm. say it on just to say it on the podcast. I want a spinoff movie about Dayhan. Like, I'd be down I, for that. I want yeah. a, I, I want a origins movie about Dayhan, mm-hmm. yes. or even that whole entire. Like I want to I want to see the movie about the Korean team because their their whole their montages were super interesting. Man. Mm. Yeah. Like standing in the forest in the snow and ridge handing or knife handing trees. Right. Standing Just under because. waterfalls and meditating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I keep wondering how he lost his eye. Like that's he a didn't. detail they have in He there. didn't. It was it was it was a blind eye. Like because at the end his patch comes off and you see it and it's completely whited over. Right. Well, how did he get blind though? Maybe he was born with it. Maybe it's maybe Maybelline. Maybelline. I don't know. <laughs> i think all three of us are about to say that oh, oh gosh. my gosh so here's here, <laughs> that's funny um did anybody else feel like the only two actors for the americans who knew the slightest bit of martial arts was maybe alex but definitely tommy and the rest of them had no idea what was going on because what frustrated me the entire time was they're doing these training montages and these are the most undisciplined individuals I've ever seen who are supposed to be already the top martial arts um, <laughs> fighters in the nation. Yeah. Like, it drove me up a wall seeing how undisciplined. And, yes, and again, I'm a fat guy. I know I'm fat. I'm not, I'm not saying I can get out there and do it better. But I, knowing people who are into this type of stuff, there was just such lack of discipline and, and disrespect going on, especially from uh Travis, like again, I yeah. just, I just like his character. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I will say I didn't get that from Virgil. Like the guy who plays Virgil, I could see him mm-hmm. knowing some martial arts, and maybe the guy that we don't know, like I could kind of see that too. And like especially when you saw him fight in the initial mm-hmm. tryouts. Yeah. Um, I absolutely do not believe Chris Penn knows any yeah he he might know kung food but not <laughs> kung, food. kung food <laughs> yeah it was it wasn't very believable to I, he is, I he is proficiently chained he is professionally proficiently trained in general so <laughs> <laughs> and kung pao chicken mm. yeah it i, I did not believe for, i knew that he was going to be one of the main guys because again this was a color by numbers movie I could tell immediately who was going to be picked for the team, but the way he carried himself in the mat, it, he did not look like a guy that would have won. 
just looking at his the at Sean at uh, not Sean Penn at Chris Penn's uh, move um filmography, it 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 checks the way that he was because he felt like more like a brawler, like he did not belong in this martial arts tournament at all. And but he felt but look at everything he's done. That's the basically the kind of character he plays and everything is just kind of this brawler, talk smack and move on type of guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he strikes me as being less of a Bruce Lee and more of a tank Abbott. Yeah, yeah, he's the Chihuahua in the background. They're just like, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, we we just we just hit the collective sigh at the end of the laugh here, which is my signal to ask: Does anybody <laughs> have anything else to say about this movie before we throw in the ratings? Uh, can we talk about how? James Earl Jones' advice to was it Alex? I can't remember who it was now. Uh, maybe it was Alex. Was no, it was to um, Tommy. Was basically sweep the leg. <laughs> he goes wait and then sweep the leg. I was like, Francis, right? It is Karate Kid. <laughs> I, I mean, that that that's another one of those tropes that they lean into. He is the older coach with a tragic past who. Is coming back. This is a redemption story for him too. I mean, he and I had a hard time believing that James Earl Jones was a martial arts coach. If they've been <laughs> doing anything else, basketball, football, baseball, any other sport, I would have right. been like, okay, it's believable that he has some knowledge of it. What does this guy know? Like, at no point was he wearing a gi. At no point was he wearing a belt. At no point was he even doing any kind of like tai chi or something. I mean. He was in a suit and tie with a clipboard the entire movie. And then he's mocking the one character, who's uh, one coach, who actually seems to know something about martial arts. Right. Which was another trope, by the way. I, I, I knew it as soon as they were talking about Wade. I was like, Wade is a last name and it's going to be a woman. Oh, look, Wade is a last name and it's yep. a woman. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, but I did have some confusion also. Um, and maybe you guys got me out. There was a... That we were led to believe that James Earl Jones knew the entire time about Dehan and uh, Tommy's connection. Yes. But when we first, when that first scene where they had the tape, uh-huh. James Earl Jones seemed more surprised that this tape existed and that this was a thing that took place. Like he right. didn't know at all. And if he was the coach, a, why didn't Tommy recognize him? B, why, why wasn't that in the records that something was happening there? Like, yeah. it just didn't make sense the way that came to be, unless I missed something. Well, what you missed is that in the formula of 80s martial arts movie, that was the point of the film where you insert <laughs> shocking plot twist. What a twist. Um, <laughs> if if I had to guess, uh-huh. I would I would think that he didn't put the connection that this was his brother until that point. And then he was like, but he was always, he had been the coach of the team during that previous tournament, mm-hmm. but he didn't realize that Tommy was that guy's little brother until right. they saw that video. Why didn't Tommy recognize James Earl Jones's character? Maybe he did like the entire, like when Alex asked Tommy, like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, it wasn't your problem. Mm-hmm. to deal uh-huh. with so he was like kind of keeping that all bunched up inside yeah so i don't know like so that was just something that it bothered me at the, at the end of the film I'm like wait a minute i, that just I think work 
I think it could have been scripted better. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the in the long run, like because I noticed that too, and I had to think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, in the long run, how deep do I really was I expecting this movie to get with its writing? Right. Right. Uh, speaking of writing, and I'm, these are my last two things. I have a writing thing, and then I want to talk about the my last thing. But the best line in the entirety of the movie was "Write him like a toilet seat." <laughs> I was like, what the crap? I <laughs> just cut me off. It, it's one of those lines oh that you just gosh. like, it just took me off guard. It's like my favorite line from um, uh, Godzilla 2000 is when the general's talking about this new missile they have to kill Godzilla. And he goes, that missile go through Godzilla like crap through a goose. It's just so randomly thrown out there. It's like they just dubbed it in. And I was like, is that what they did here? They just dubbed him in yelling that or what? Right, I'm like a toilet seat. <laughs> I'm gonna so, find a way to work that into my everyday vocabulary now. <laughs> I, I want updates, Branson, on that. In fact, let Branson, us know, let us know I, how that works, dude. This is what I want from you, Branson. I need <laughs> memes for you from you for our Instagram and, and socials revolving around this movie and anything movie related using that line. All right, <laughs> make it happen for us. The oh, the gosh. final fight scene. I want to talk about that for a second. So good. That was the best fight in the entirety of the film. Yes. And it was like it felt real. Like it yes. felt like a legitimate sparring competition. There was obviously some safety stuff put in place to make sure things weren't happening, but it felt the best throughout the entirety of the film. And I loved it. I was there for that film. Yeah. Or for that. That was mo- the one fight. time that uh like when the guy when his shoulder got re injured. Mm-hmm. The way he carried himself, like I legitimately thought he like actually hurt his shoulder on camera. Mm-hmm. Like the way he like limped and slumped over, the way it was hanging loose. I was like, did they actually dislocate his shoulder for right. the sake of the movie? Because it <laughs> looked he was playing into it very well. Here's the thing about Eric Roberts: he plays all he he is in a lot of crappy movies, a lot of crappy movies, but he's got skill, like. They're the two best actors in this movie that really sold their parts was Eric Roberts. Um, and the other one was the guy who played Dayhan. Everything mm-hmm. he did, yeah. I believed. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's just like, I'm watching this movie. I'm like, Eric Roberts is just acting his butt off. But to take it back to what you were saying though, Dallas, yes, that, that fight scene, fantastic. And then yeah. when I then when we drilled down and found out about the Re brothers mm-hmm. a, and exactly how skilled they are in martial arts, I'm like, that's why. Explains so much. Oh, but that like that that last fight scene is one of my favorite '80s kung fu fight scenes in any movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I will take that fight scene over the end fight scene in in Karate Kid, and I will not take yeah. that back. <laughs> no i understand because again it 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 looked real you, you felt like like a couple of those punches it felt like they actually landed mm. like i wasn't 100 percent sure some of the blood on there was movie magic <laughs> you know i mean it was it felt real right um uh, you know especially with the the koreans their uniforms were white and when they come up from the fights there's red blood stains all over their around their neck area Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you see those stains and their faces aren't bloodied, <laughs> but then the Americans are he's like, Oh, that's not their blood. <laughs> you know? Uh, but it was, uh, it was, and then like at the end when they had the ceremony and, 
uh, Dehan is like limping over. I mean, he is leaning into, I got the crap beat out of me. And it, it just, that aspect of it was, was very, very entertaining, very not cheesy. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I just watched a full contact tournament. And it was an, it was a legitimately emotional scene. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I, it, I felt that scene and I'm like, this scene is so much better than it has any right to be in this movie. Yeah. Right. Um, and speaking of Dehan, another eighties trope that I, I forgot to mention that, that, that they have in this movie that happens throughout the eighties. Anytime a character has an eye patch, that guy is the baddest dude in the whole crew. I actually have <laughs> in my notes, I go, bad guy has an eye patch dot 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 like I, I just guessed it and then like yeah 10 minutes later i go called it eye patch guy is the main baddie yeah <laughs> and, and when i say baddest dude i'm not talking about like the bad guy but like the most mm-hmm. hardcore guy of whatever oh, yeah, yeah. Right. she's in like like you can go back to snake pliskin from escape from new york you know that's mm-hmm. another example yeah so he's the guy to beat he's the main antagonist he's the best of the best yes <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was it was just something that kind of stuck out to me like like any if you had an eye patch in the 80s you were the man you know yeah apparent apparently a lack a lack of depth perception makes you amazing <laughs> apparently so Clearly. um branson do you got anything else to say on this movie uh i wish i did i feel like i enjoyed this more than i actually did if that makes sense <laughs> like <laughs> I had a fun time watching it, but I'm trying to think of stuff that was like, oh man, that was cool. Oh man, that was cool. And I'm just coming up empty. Well, here's, here's the know. thing. This is one of those movies. Cause it's when, when we were trying to come up with the opening bit for this to, to give everybody a peek behind the curtain, as we do sometimes, we were having a hard time coming up with something to do for the intro on this movie, because there is nothing that stands out in this movie. And this yeah. is one of those movies and they do happen from time to time, but this is one of those movies where the sum is great. The, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. There's nothing that stands out particularly about this movie, except for the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at least that's my opinion of it. And that's a little bit foreshadowing, but if we don't have anything <laughs> else to say, let's go ahead and go into the ratings. Uh, Branson, why don't you go ahead and give us the rating definitions? All right. Here on the bottom shelf, we have a shelf rating system. First, we have the top shelf. The top shelf rating means I need to own this. This movie is amazing. I have no idea why it's on a podcast about bad movies. I need a physical copy of this in my library right now. Then we have the middle shelf. The middle shelf is, "Eh, it was okay. I might watch it if it was streaming. Or for you old guys like me, if it happened to be on cable TV, I might stop to watch it. Uh, so it was okay. Bottom shelf is, I probably won't watch it again. I don't necessarily hate that I watched it in the first place, but I'm not going to go hunt this down. And then dumpster fire. Dumpster fire is, I will actively try to keep people from watching this movie. We are going to pretend like this movie does not exist. This movie is an insult to everything that calls itself a movie, and we will never speak of this movie again. <laughs> all right with that being said dallas how do you rate this movie i mean it's not a good movie but it's not a dumpster fire film 
And so, like, I've been trying to weigh it off, like, our conversation today, like, did it make me feel better about the film? And I think it did some. Um, like, I enjoyed talking with you guys about it. That last fight scene was primo stuff right there. But it's so forgettable um, that if it was on streaming and I saw it, I'd watch it just because I did, forgot that I hadn't seen it before. So <laughs> I'm going to put it on the bottom shelf. On the bottom shelf. Wait, you would watch it if it was streaming, you said? Because I forgot that it was. I had already seen it and didn't like it. See, <laughs> he, he's saying he wouldn't actively seek it out. He wouldn't say, oh, look, yeah, I'll sit down and watch this again. He would watch it thinking that he had never seen it before. Because mm-hmm. it, it was just on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that he liked it that much. He just forgot that he liked, that he saw it. Mm. All right. Well, Branson, where are you at with this movie? <sighs> Based on the rating system. Excuse me. Like I said before, I I felt like I enjoyed it more than I apparently really did because we, we, we've had it happen before where I walk into a movie thinking, oh, this movie was terrible. I hate it. And then after talking with you, I'm like, okay, well, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I did. But I almost have the reverse effect this time. Hmm. Um, When I sat down to watch it, while I was watching it, I was like, oh, wow, okay, 80s action. Yeah, bring it. Come on, let's go. And then when I sit back and reflect on it, like Dallas said, it's kind of forgettable. Uh, it was very paint by numbers. It was very leaning into all the tropes. Uh, I called every, everything that happened. I called. I knew there was going to be a bar fight scene before there was a bar fight scene. I knew that there was going to be a big, you know, plot twist about the coach before there was a plot twist about the coach. I knew there was going to be a female coach before there was a female coach. Uh, you know, I, I knew, I knew that Tommy was going to have a deceased sibling before it was revealed that he had a deceased sibling. It just was very paint by numbers. Um, the ending fight scene was cool, and my first thought was, well, because of that ending scene, maybe I want to watch it again. But then I realized, no, I would just look up the fight scene as a clip on YouTube and watch that instead of going to watch the whole movie again, so I could hurry up and get to the good part. Um, I don't know that I would watch it again if it were streaming, but I don't think it deserves the dumpster fire. It wasn't a terrible movie. I'm not thinking back on it and thinking, Oh my gosh, that was terrible. I can't believe I spent time on that. I mean, I'm glad that I watched it. I just don't think I'd care to watch it again. So I'm going to, I'm going to bottom shelf this one. Y'all hurt my soul. I'll say this. I did feel inspired at the end of the movie. Like I was like, this was a good, this was, this was, this was good. Like I feel good on the inside. I just don't, I, I'm dark and depressing. I don't like to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that it matters. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I am top shelfing this movie. Um, really? I am top. I like, I like since, since like even before we watched it for the show, like when we were first start, tar- starting to talk about it, I've been looking for ways to try to get my hands on a physical copy. And that has been reiterated more uh since watching it like this movie is everything i love about 80s martial arts movies um is it corny yes is there a lot of cheese to it yes is it paint by numbers absolutely but i I don't go into this movie expecting something super deep this is what i call this is like the epitome of a popcorn munching movie yeah um and as we saw with the crowd interaction, um, this is a very like it, it's it's a scatter shot as, as far as how it hits people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, part of me almost thinks that in order to enjoy the movie in the way that I did, you had to be in that movie culture at the time it was made. Mm-hmm. As far as like liking movies sense. like Bloodsport or Kickboxer. Or See, I like Bloodsport though. You mm-hmm. know, like the violence. But it, but it is. But the point I'm making though is it's it's very much a product of its time. Yeah. Um, and it may be nostalgia that gives me a different lens to see it. I don't know. But this movie, yeah, absolute bot, absolute top shelf for me. So you know, if you, nah, that's where I'm putting it. So, based based off of our review, it is a disputed bottom shelf. Um, but if you want, if you if if you if anybody out there ha- agrees with my recommendations that I have given up to this point, go watch this movie. It's freaking fantastic. With that being said, let's head on over to the Weak Connection to find out what kind of spiritual truths we may have for pulled from this movie. This is a Weak Connection. All right, everybody, welcome to the Weak Connection. Uh, where we derive some spiritual truth from whatever it is that we watched uh, for your edification or the glorification of God or whatever we can derive from this to bring value to you and your walk. Uh, That said, let's go ahead and start out with Pastor Dallas. What fresh bread do you have for us this episode? Yeah, uh, I'm going to rob Branson's line from the Gundam Watch uh, last week, which I'm not sure how fresh it is, but I'll give you some bread. Um, <laughs> probably more of a tortilla. Um, but <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the character of Alex, and we kind of got into the conversation a little bit in the middle of our um, converse- of uh, things earlier, talking about the mindset he had. He was so um, broken, distraught, he had lost his identity as a martial artist, and then he had this thing reclaiming it and trying to do all sorts of stuff, and it was a dramatic thing taking place. And there's a lot of people in life that they have placed their identity in different things. Their identity is in what they do, their job, their job title, stuff like that. Um, being in the world I'm in, you know, I talk with a lot of pastors who get burnt out, and they struggle because their identity is well, I'm pastor. No, your name's, you know, Jim, you know, <laughs> you have a name, dude. It, your name's not pastor. Your name is not podcaster. Your name is not medical coder. Your name is not, and, and this is going to hurt some people. I feel like you're calling me out, Dallas. Uh, uh, well, possibly. <laughs> uh, this is going to offend people. Your name is not mom and dad. Your identity is not in your parentship. Your identity is not in your your sonship as far as your physical parents your identity is found in christ and christ alone and when we don't have that sure foundation then when the other things that we do is shaken up it's detrimental to an individual it's shaking it's it's absolutely earth shaking and there are some people that have lost things and it is devastating in its own good right but because they put all their identity in that one thing whether it be a job or a status their life crumbles because they've lost the foundation of Christ. And I, I kind of think of uh, a particular passage that is um, thoroughly misquoted um, by people. In, uh, but it's in the book of Philip. And Philip is uh, he's writing. He's kind of coming to the end of some stuff. 
and he goes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last you renew. I'm sorry. I, gra- <laughs> I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with uh, whatever the circumstance. I know that it is to be in, in, in need. I'm sorry. I know what it means to be in need, and I know what it is to be to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or plenty or in want. And this is the portion that's misquoted. I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. That is taken out of context, and people put it on, on sports shirts and stuff like that. But what's talking about here is Philip is at towards the end of his life. There's persecution taking place. He's lost his identity as a man of position and status for various reasons. But he's saying, I don't care. I've been through it all. I've had, I, I, I've gone hungry and I know how to survive. I've had plenty of food. I know how to survive. And that's being centered on Christ. That is where I can do all things through, through him who strengthens me because my identity's in him. And so my encouragement for folks is center your identity in Christ, in Jesus. And it's such a, it's a, such a simple phraseology for something that can be complicated because we have hearts and minds that want to do so many things. And it really does take discipline for us to go, I am not this. I do this. I am a son or daughter of Christ, of God, and I'm going to live in that identity so that when the things do get shaken, I don't have to be shook. Amen. Awesome. I, to, to speak to that verse, just a skosh. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it better translate if you read it as, I can endure all things through Christ yeah. who strengthens mm-hmm. me rather than do because absolutely that's more what it's leaning towards anyway uh sorry I don't mean I didn't mean to no no you're right uh Branson alrighty give um, Pastor Branson give us the word <laughs> and then put it on your podcast later <laughs> in the movie Coach Wade has a quote that I wrote down it's when when she's first introduced to the team and uh she says, we do the right thing all the time. <clears throat> She's referring to how uh, you don't train just for the tournament and then you're done. It's mm-hmm. more than just training your body. It's training your mind. It's training the way that you act. Uh, it is an all-inclusive type thing. If, if you're going to be a champion, you have to be a champion in every aspect of your life. Being a champion has to permeate everywhere. We do the right thing all the time. And that reminded me of a situation in Galatians chapter 2. It's one of the few times where we see uh, big names of faith kind of disagreeing with each other. It's where Paul is talking about a situation where he ran into Peter, uh, who he calls him Cephas in the, in the letter, uh, in Antioch. And Peter was being kind of two-faced. He would act a certain way when he was with Gentiles. And then when Jews would show up, he'd completely change how he was acting. Uh, Galatians chapter two in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? 
so the the situation there was there was a debate going on between whether or not a Gentile had to convert to Judaism to be a Christian because Jesus was supposed to be a Jewish Messiah. Mm-hmm. And Paul and Peter both were kind of instrumental in teaching the early church. No, they don't have to keep the law to believe in Jesus Christ. They can just simply have that faith. And Peter, who ironically was the first guy that got this message because he had the vision of the quote, unclean animals on the sheet that the Holy spirit had given him. And God said, whatever I make is clean. Don't call anything I make unclean. So ironically, Peter was the first one to get this message, but he's still having trouble acting in, in that truth. He, he still acts like, Oh, well, Gentiles are here. Uh, and the Jews are here. I've got to kind of play along with the Jews and be the way they want me to be. He has this belief that Gentiles don't have to be Jews to be Christians, and it's okay for Jews and Gentiles to intermingle because of their faith and common faith in Christ, but he doesn't live into that, and Paul has to correct him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a very telling thing that we have to understand as followers of Christ. It, it's very easy, especially for guys. Guys do this a lot. We compartmentalize our life. You know, the mm-hmm. way I am on the podcast may not be the same way I am when I am at my job, and that may not be the same way I am when I'm at church. And that may not be the same way I am when I'm hanging out with my family, depending on how you interact with me may change which version of Branson you get. Mm. And that's not a good thing, especially when it comes to our faith. Our faith is supposed to be something that permeates every aspect of our life. The way, the way that you see me here on this podcast should be the same way that you see me. If you bump into me on the street or the way you see me, if you see me at church, or if the way you see me where I'm just hanging out with my kids and my wife in the living room, I, I shouldn't change based on my environment. I do the right thing all the time, not just when I'm in that right situation. And so I think Wade's words to the team and Paul's words to Peter are challenging in that we have to be sure every aspect of our life, the way that we live 24-7, reflects our faith in Jesus. And if there's ever a time where it doesn't, then that's an area that we need to work on. We need to work on decompartmentalizing our lives to where we are a follower of Christ no matter where we go. Yeah. That's the weak connection for me. All right. And in one of those supremo events that only happens from a top shelf movie, all three of us have a uh, (laughs) weak connection. I'm sorry. This movie was fantastic. I don't care what either of you said. Um Mine comes from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Um, And I'll read the scripture and I'll kind of get into it. But uh, it it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, And earlier in the podcast, you hear me talk, you heard me mention that the main character of this movie was the team. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that is a core theme that is shown throughout this movie is the need for teamwork and the need to function as a team. You live, fight, and breathe for each other. And that's the way it's supposed to be as Christians. Um, And we experience that today in our private chat um, that we have for the volunteer staff 
for uh geek devotions um you know we had we had some differences of opinions about a certain topic um and some people were very upset about a certain thing and we all discussed our own points of views and you know some people got a little bit aggro or a little bit heated about it because they had some passion on a certain subject and that's okay there is it is absolutely okay to be within a team of individuals and be passionate about it to the point of having some emotions about it however uh at at the end of the con at the end of the conversation we all got together and said hey you know what it's cool that we can have these differences of opinion as long as we can all get together and agree to either hug or shake hands and remember that we are all brethren under the same God and the same glorious savior. Um, And it's too often in the modern American church that we clash against each other much in the same way that the world clashes against each other, where our opinion is the right opinion and we have the sense of might makes right we're eager to tear down people who disagree with us Mm. um and that's not what that's not what god has called us to be we are called to be a cord of three and not easily broken but too often we're too busy cutting our own cord to be able to withstand the those Mm. that come against the church itself Yeah. Um, yeah and so my encouragement would be to focus on the team um there's a quote that james earl jones says uh that i can't requote here because of language but essentially is (laughs) you will eat sleep train other words (laughs) for the championship and you know take it back into the pauline epistles where he talks about i am like a man who trains his body in the same sense Christianity is partly a team sport, kids. Right. So Amen. gird yourself and go forth in a spirit of teamwork. I dig it. Cool. Well, hey, let's go ahead and go into some shameless self-promotion. Dallas, what are you promoting? Yeah. So um obviously you guys can find geekdevotions.com and find all of our stuff. Um but that being said, if you want to check out Solid House Podcasts, uh check that out. It's a great podcast guys, that Branson does. It's encouraging, it's a powerful podcast um and so and uh yeah you guys check that out be links in the description down below which uh by the way we already had one person who listened to the gundam watch because we did this uh whole thing where we all talked about it and they're like hey where did i find this odd house podcast so we gave him a link uh so check the link for it below in the show notes uh as far as what i want to promote go ahead and check out my link tree if you're super interested in what i specifically am doing you'll see my link tree link in the notes below but if I'm going to pick one project, I'm going to pick the Solid House podcast that Branson does. Amazing, amazing podcast. I hold it up there with Alistair Begg and other people who preach. It is fantastic. I don't miss an episode. So go ahead and check that out. You'll see the link in the descriptions below as well. Hey, Branson, do you have anything you'd like to promote? You know, John, there only have been two episodes, so it's really not hard to not miss an episode. Hey, discredit it all you want. I don't, (laughs) I have friends that do other podcasts and I haven't, I haven't ramped up their show as hard as I've been ramping this one up. So, but do you have anything you would like to promote Branson? (laughs) Well, uh, it's kind of already been promoted. Uh, I am trying not to blush on the podcast, but. It's okay. It's an audio form format. So, <laughs> uh, I do have 
uh, a podcast that I've started called Solid House. It uh, takes a look at Jesus's teachings, use them as the foundation, and we try to build a framework for how we live based off of that. I've got two episodes out so far. Right now we're in the middle of looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so yeah, you can check out the link in Solid House, uh, Solid House Podcast. If you uh, have comments or questions about the show, you can email me at solidhousemedia at protonmail.com. Uh, yeah, I think. Or find the link in the description below. Uh, that being said, we want to thank everybody for showing up and hearing us talk about this amazing movie. And uh, until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love. <laughs>